Hello and welcome back to Victoria on Relay FM. I'm Quinn Rose and I didn't go to art school, but I still love learning about art, both the ancient history and the modern day events. And I'm Betty. I also didn't go to art school, but I also love learning about art across all the times as well. But I have no idea what's going on today. <laughs> today we have, drumroll please, a topical episode. <laughs> Although once again, not going to be super topical when this comes out, I don't think, but it's fine. Uh, so I will start just by asking you simply, have you heard about the Andy Warhol Prince Supreme Court case? I have not. And but I I'll preface by saying like, I have been just like going to work and then going to school and then sleeping and then going to work and then going to work and sleeping for the past like, month and a half. So I have not paid attention to like anything I haven't even looked up. I want to promise you this is not like, big general news this is news within the art and copyright community (laughs) you see you would think that i would follow this news because i'm very into the art community and i just my most recent youtube video was about copyright um so yeah but but this does seem right up my alley well i'm gonna do my best to explain to you what's going on and then i thought we could Talk about it. Play Supreme Court justice for a little bit. Oh, I oh, I love doing that. I would love to be a Supreme Court justice. I, I, I totally know what that job is about. <laughs> Great. You're American now. You're required to weigh in on the legal issues of the day. Perfect. Yes. <laughs> I will tell you that the headline of this story is basically that a photographer named Lynn Goldsmith is accusing Andy Warhol of violating her copyright. Um, Obviously, Andy Warhol has passed away many decades ago, so this is a legal action being taken against the Andy Warhol Foundation. Um, But I will bring you all the way back to 1981 when this starts. So in 1981, Newsweek commissioned Goldsmith to take some photo portraits of Prince. Um, These Photos don't end up being published, um, but she retains these photographs. And then three years later, in 1984, Vanity Fair commissions Andy Warhol to create some images of Prince for their uh, profile on Prince. Um, They pay $400 to Goldsmith for use of referencing her photograph. Um, Andy Warhol ends up creating the silkscreen prints of him. Uh, with her photograph as the original reference for them. She is credited in the original run of that artwork. um, But unbeknownst to her, Warhol actually created 16 total silkscreen illustrations, um, even though only one was originally published. So I'm not sure exactly if other things happened with these images in the intervening years. Perhaps they were, I think that some of them were published to some degree or used or whatever, but she doesn't know about this at all until 2016 when Prince passes away. Vanity Fair paid over $10,000 to the Warhol Foundation to run another one of those images. Now, this is when Goldsmith finds out about them. Presumably she sees the image herself and then she says, hey, this is a violation of my copyright. I am owed the licensing fees for the use of these silkscreen images. So she basically pursues legal action. 
In 2019, the U.S. District Court for the Southern District of New York rules in favor of the Warhol Foundation. But then two years later, in 2021, the appellate court reverses that decision. This ends up going all the way to the Supreme Court at this point. And right now, as of like the week that we are recording this, the Supreme Court is hearing oral arguments about this case. I don't know when they will make a firm decision. Um, it probably won't be for a little while yet. Uh, but this is a case that is actively being argued in front of the Supreme Court. So just to confirm, this is like the highest Supreme Court, like the federal, where those nine really old people sit, or at least I think they're old. Yes. Oh, okay. <laughs> Yes, yes, yes. The, those guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, cool, cool. I know what I know. I know who they are. Yes. Well, not all of them, but yeah, I have an idea. <laughs> so. And I will say the direction that this case is taking is basically about fair use. The main argument in favor of Andy Warhol is what he did to these images is transformative enough that it falls under fair use, and so licensing is not required for continued use of the images. On the other side, they're saying, no, it's not transformative enough to be fair use. It clearly is still use of these original images. And very importantly, there is direct competition. So uh, one of the features of copyright law is our works in direct competition with one another. Um, so, for example, if you create a, par a parody song that doesn't replace the desire for someone to listen to the original song, like if they're not getting the same thing out of it, it's much more likely to be viewed as fair use, right? And generally parody songs, you know, we all know those are allowed. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Versus they're saying, hey, everybody's looking around for images of Prince. They might have picked these photographs, but instead they're picking these Warhol images. So it's directly in competition with her original work. Mm. And that is why it is a that is one of the main features of why it is a copyright violation. Mm -hmm. So that's the base. That's the basic facts of the case. Those are the main arguments on either side. I would now like to show you the images in question, and I would love to hear uh, your description of them and your first impression, basic opinions on those. Um, so I presume on the left was the original um, photo by uh, Lynn Goldsmith. You said was the name of the photographer. Mm -hmm. Okay, so yeah. So on the left, I see a uh, black and white photograph of Prince. Uh, and uh, it's a picture of him with a white background. Um, he looks like very simply dressed. I think he's wearing a like a t-shirt or not a t-shirt um a dress shirt um like it looks like a very simple black and white photograph and then on the right is the uh recreation of just his face um so not anything below the the uh the chin and it's the uh, it's a it looks like the background is now red um his face is purple and the like black and white aspects are still there with Obviously, it's like a silk screen, so there's more contrast. Um, and then there seems to be some reddish-orange outlines around, like, the face, the hair, eyes, mouth, like, all the contours. Um, so and the so this Andy Warhol version looks pretty, pretty simple as well, um, but it is not definitely a direct copy of the photo. Yeah. Before we get into what anyone else has said about this or the Supreme Court arguments on anything— what is your just gut reaction to this? Do you, Betty, feel like this is copyright infringement or not? <laughs> just as Betty. Um, 
Yeah. So and and so first, I just want to clarify. So this one that you show, this is one of the sixteen. Was this that first one, or is this one of the ones she didn't know about? I believe this is the image that did originally run in that Vanity Fair story. So the other images are the same basics, but have different color schemes. Basically, it's it's similar to it's it's Andy Warhol's distinctive style, in which he did you know like the Marilyn Monroe portraits and everything like that as well. Um, where it's the same picture and the same basic design, but the the image, the colors of the image vary from one to another. This is really difficult. Because, like, I have had a lot of trouble when it comes to the concept of fair use. And for me, it mostly applies for YouTube videos because I, you know, as someone who has videos on YouTube, I face this on both sides. One is if, if I'm using images and sometimes you know i'm talking about art so sometimes i have to use i usually put a low resolution image of a artwork if i absolutely cannot find like a a creative commons or public domain image if it's if the image is copyrighted but i have to show it to talk about it i will usually put a low res version and claim it as fair use and most of the time i don't have a problem with that um so and then on the reverse side is sometimes people will re-upload parts or all of my videos to their own YouTube channel or Facebook or other places and claim it as fair use as well. And in almost all of those cases, I do not agree it's fair use. <laughs> so, uh, but I I believe I have legitimate reasons, but obviously I am biased uh, in those circumstances. So I would say... Look, for the moment, I'm leaning more towards that I do think Andy Warhol's images, or at least this particular one, is quite transformative. But I'm, but it's like a very soft lean right now. I think I feel similarly. Like just visually looking at the images, I'm like, I do feel like these are different. It's obviously using that picture as a reference image, but it has, I think, been significantly changed. And there's an interesting piece of this as well, which is not necessarily the legal question of it all, but it's just like, you know, that's what Prince looks like. (laughs) At a certain point, it's like, well, it could have been any photo of Prince that was transformed to look like this. So that's why I think it's like there's nothing that's particularly distinctive about this photo, which... I think that Warhol could have used any sort of like simple photo of Prince where he just like had a straight face to make an image like this. It, there was nothing that needed to be in this portrait for Warhol's work to exist. So maybe that is part of my legal argument. I don't know. I I feel like that matters because if there was something super distinctive about that photo, it it would feel different to me, I think. Yeah, I think that's the thing. The photo, like I think in my description too, I was saying like is quite simple and straightforward. It's not, not to say that, you know, it's not a, the photographer, not to say like the photographer isn't a creative person or a good photographer, like it is a good photo, but it's not anything that's super unique. Like Prince isn't in a really unique pose or um, expression or like, you know, background and all kinds of things like there 
isn't too many distinctive details of that original photographs that you can say is like very special to that composition. So then recreations of it would, yeah, it would like most of the characteristics, like you said, of Prince's face is the part of a part of the photograph. And yeah, like I'm thinking, you know, I've, uh, what if, yeah, like I took a photo or I looked at a photo reference of some famous person and I did a drawing of it. Like, I I feel like I did, I would have done a lot of work on my end. <laughs> uh, but then I guess, I don't know if then the question is, because silk screening, I'm not a print making person, so I don't really know what I'm talking about right now. So I'm just talking out loud. Like, is it? easier i guess what i'm saying than like drawing and painting is is one of part of the argument that like there wasn't as much effort put into this recreation i, I don't actually know the answer to that there is a bit of a distinction there because it is in some ways a direct copy of her image because it is like a print of that image so i think that's where that argument kind of starts in favor of the photographer. It's like, well, yeah, so this image absolutely started with her image. And you can look at the two of them and be like, yes, this is clearly a print of that image, but it has been significantly changed in the process of making it into a new art piece. And so it's like, does it, which side of the line does it fall on? That's the question being decided. And we'll share now a little bit of um, the comments from the justices when discussing this, which I think were pretty interesting. So Chief Justice Roberts was arguing uh, in favor of the Warhol Foundation, and he said, it's not just that Warhol has a different style. It's that, unlike Goldsmith's photograph, Warhol sends a message about the depersonalization of modern culture and celebrity status. One is the commentary on modern society. The other is to show what Prince looks like. But then Justice Alito responded, (laughs) basically saying... Who are we to decide? He said, (laughs) how is a court to determine the purpose of meaning, the message, or meanings of works of art like a photograph or a painting? You make it sound simple, but maybe it's not so simple. And I actually think it's a super interesting point because it's like a lot of these discussions tend to hinge on basically, do we think this is a valuable art piece or not? I was just going to say that, yeah. Which like, Mm. should it be the line of copyright? But because I think this line... This case is so muddled in this way where it's like, well, it's a, it's a, yes, it's a copy of it, but it's like a transformative copy of it. It's, is it transformative enough? Kind of boils down to like, is the meaning of it artistically different enough to count? But it's also like, you know, the Supreme Court justices are not trained art critics. So it's like, are they the right people to decide? Who is the right person to decide a question like that when it's so subjective? Yeah, exactly. I think that's the problem is that because Andy Warhol is a famous person or was a famous person who I think could you you could very easily argue that as a as an artist he contributed a lot to you know art history and the art discussion discourse in general and is was a valuable artist so then it's almost like the fact that he has this reputation is 
almost like it's clouding the judgment, I feel like, not of just justices, but possibly even other people. Like people might just assume, well, it's Andy Warhol. So of course, he's saying something. And it's like, (laughs) is he? Like, I don't know. I think that's so important uh, on so many levels of this case, because I mean, it's also the whole argument of like, did this image disrupt the market for the original photograph because it's like well did these images existing basically lose out business for that the run of original photograph um i guess is a part of the question of this and it's not but it's like well but did it at all though because like they didn't run those images because they just liked the picture they ran those images because it was a warhol piece And so that doesn't necessarily mean that it's not copyright infringement if it's like that. The question of like, why did the magazine want to print a Warhol picture is not the same as like, did that Warhol picture infringe somebody else's copyright? But I do think it embodies the waters of this a lot because you don't get it. You can't get a clear cut answer because the artists are on such different playing fields. Yeah. And the aspect about competition is a really important one in copyright as far as I know and just in again my limited YouTube encounters with it um so of all the times that I you know send a copyright strike to people or notice to take down their re-upload of my video it's almost always one because it, it they didn't transform it a lot of it is just directly re-uploaded or it's someone who is just talking about the same topic and then they just insert like eight minutes of my video with like nothing to it so that's one aspect is like they they didn't really transform it they're just re-uploading my video as a part of their video or sometimes the entirety of their video um but the other thing is because they're uploading it to like youtube or facebook or I don't know what other platforms these days, like an internet video platform, if someone Googles the same topic, uh, then they could very well end up clicking on that person's video and watching it instead of mine. So then that is directly in competition with me. So that's another very big reason why I'm like, no, you cannot do that because I don't want to lose all my ad revenue. (laughs) So so that is definitely important. It, but it, but it isn't all of it because, uh, like, unfortunately, yeah, with copyright, even when money doesn't come into it, like, even when the other person isn't making money, because some people re-upload it and they don't monetize it, like, that doesn't mean they can just use it. So, so even though it's important, it's it, you can't that by itself can't can't be the standalone like reason. Yeah, I love that we're talking about this in terms of YouTube, the land of (laughs) no copyright intended, a phrase that means nothing, but somehow became a thing that people thought meant something. Yeah, it's... First of all, you don't get to choose whether you intend a copyright. And also, you mean copyright infringement. Yeah, I know. I love how it's like copyright intended. It's like, that. that's not... Yeah, that's not what it... The copyright is not what you're doing. (laughs) (laughs) You keep using that word. I don't think you know what it means. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Mm. Um. I I did have something I wanted to bring up, but I but I wanted to for you to like complete your thought 
of this before oh we're fully just in the discussion phase so i'd love to hear it okay okay so i actually wanted to send you um i guess a similar case that i heard about this was actually a few years ago and um i'm gonna pop it into the uh notes first of all okay so the artist jeff coons has been sued so many times for copyright infringement that when I Google to try to look up this case I heard about a few years ago, there were like 14 different results of so many other instances where he was sued. So that's why I need to make sure this one. So this, so this was a case from 2017 where, or I believe the decision was made in 2017 about it, where the artist um, Jeff Koons, who's a contemporary artist who does a lot of sculptures, was sued by a photographer called Art Rogers for a picture Rogers took called Puppies. And Jeff Koons uh, has an artwork that references the photo called String of Puppies. Um, Would you like to do your description of what you see of this particular case? Yeah, so, you know, we have this black and white photograph, um, and it's a straight-on picture of two people that are sitting in front of a fence outdoors. There's trees in the background, and in the foreground, we have these two people. Um, It looks like maybe it's like a a dad and, and like, grown child's kind of vibe. One, There's definitely an older gentleman is on the right, Um, and in their arms are... Eight puppies, eight identical puppies that are just nestled into their arms. There's just both of them are holding four of them. And so there's just a line of of eight puppies between the two of them. And it's great. (laughs) Um, And then the sculpture is like very, very similar, um, clearly based off of the photograph. Um, There is no background or anything. You just have the two people sitting on a a bench um it's been colorized uh so they're wearing kind of like orange shirts the younger person has red hair um younger person also has bright orange pants for some reason um and then they have those eight puppies again in their arms in the exact same poses that they're in in the photograph although they all have white noses now for some reason and also the puppies are blue yeah so i will uh just tell you that for this particular case uh Jeff Coons lost the case. So it was ruled in favor of Rogers. So Coons did violate copyright infringement. And again, he claimed fair use, but the court found that it was not, they don't agree that it was fair use. So what is your reaction of this particular ruling? And would you agree or disagree with it? Yeah, this one is interesting because, I mean, it's the creation of a sculpture, and so it's clearly a completely different medium. Um, But it is also, like, very blatantly an attempt to create a total reproduction of it. Like, there aren't really any artistic decisions made here beyond colorizing it and also giving the younger person little flowers in their ears and there's like a little flower on top of the old guy so but there's really there's nothing else that is added or changed to it at all uh, besides uh, basically the color details um and so yeah i mean i think it's clear from this episode that i am no copyright law expert (laughs) but i can understand why this would not have been decided in his favor Hmm. Yeah, and really, I th- I think this is difficult for 
a lot of people. <laughs> and I, I would pretty much agree with you. And, and I do think the difference that we are assessing right now is really how transformative is it? Like, I think it always comes or quite often comes back to that question is how transformative is it? And I think you and I at least agree Andy Warhol's recreation of Prince is more transformative than Jeff Koons's recreation of puppies or string of puppies yeah because like one is basically just adapting it to a different medium and the other one is adapting it to a different medium and making a lot of creative decisions in what that adaptation should look like Um, which I don't know if there's they're going I don't know which way they're going to land legally uh, but that seems different to me personally yeah for sure so for this particular case, it, it it might come down to that. It might come down to a decision of really just how transformative the art is. Um, but I, I do think, again, at the end of the day, it comes back to it is very subjective. Like one person will think this is totally transformative and another person will be like, no, this is just his face recreated and he's literally doing a reprint. So... Yeah, like I, I think I think it's difficult. And but the other thing I'll I'll say uh, that I just thought of is I think the idea of um, originality in art is something that I think gets misunderstood a lot because I think a lot of people are under the impression that all art or all good artists are people who create something like totally new. It's it's comes straight from their head and very few people or no one has done it before. And that's just not true in like 99% of cases, in my opinion. <laughs> like a lot of art is built upon previous art and, uh, you know, previous works um, in similar uh, media or different ones. And so... A lot of what a lot of artists are doing are transforming ideas from previous people. So I think this is one of these things that isn't just specific to this case. I think it comes up a lot. And there needs to be a balance because if it leans too much towards the no, you, you cannot recreate other people. And then we limit people's creative like like freedoms because we need to be able to reference other art. So I think... Like for people who are like, no, just stop copying other people. I just, I just want to caution like that type of thinking. <laughs> yeah, and that was actually that's an argument that's being made by. Um, so the way Supreme Court cases work is that like a lot of people and like organizations and for some reason the Biden administration can file briefs about it and and make their arguments. Um, and so a lot of people have uh, spoken up on both sides of this case. Um, and then one of these people is the artist Bar- Barbara Kruger um, and the curator Robert Storr, who jointly filed an amicus brief um, on behalf of the Warhol Foundation and basically making this argument saying like, hey, art is referential. Our artists copy each other, artists reference each other. That is part of the process of making art and attempting to curtail that would be harmful to art. Um, so that is the argument that they are making. Kruger uh, has is it is someone who comes under uh, criticism herself for potential violation of copyright um, because that is also sort of the field in which she works. And this, this just goes into th- the whole thing. It's like there is no impartial expert about this because anyone who knows a lot about art is going to have an investment in one side or the other. 
And then also it makes it, and this is why it's, I mean, we talked a little bit about like this being Warhol changes the tenor of the case, but it's, it's, it's uh, interesting for me personally, because I feel like, well, you know, I don't want to root for Warhol because, you know, he's like the giant, super famous artist guy. I know he's dead, but you know, it's like the whole thing um, versus like this just photographer um, who's obviously at a much different status than Warhol because very few people are in the same status as Warhol. But on the same, on the other hand, I, I think that I am convinced by the arguments that it would be harmful to limit creative expression in this way in terms of transformative works, because I do believe very powerfully in the the beauty and strength of transformative works and mm-hmm. i'm not some people seem convinced that this would be extremely bad mm-hmm. to fair use if this was decided against the warhol foundation mm-hmm. i'm not sure why sorry i'm not a lawyer <laughs> and it doesn't seem to me like this case is broad enough to have huge impacts but obviously any precedent in that direction can have a lot of impacts down the line i understand these things can have effects like even far beyond just like the next few years like things can continue to to snowball and and exist as precedent anyway all that to say i think i definitely lean towards warhol as much as i prefer to root for the underdog i feel like that is what i genuinely feel like is the the best legal outcome of this case (laughs) Yeah, I I feel I feel very similarly and ju- just as Betty not being a legal expert either. Um even though I I for that copyright episode I recently did on articulations, I did a lot of research on copyright. So I I have a little bit of insight into it. Um but I would agree that I do think it would be a precedent that is in not a great direction um again yeah i don't know how how sweeping the effects would be like again you know the jeff coons example i'm not sure if that one actually went to the supreme court um so maybe that one wasn't as important (laughs) as this but you know obviously uh, jeff coons being ruled that he against um didn't seem uh, to affect as far as I know, um, you know, other people's rulings too much. Um, but again, it is possible it it all it has some sort of effect. So, yeah, so I think I would agree that personally, I do think it would be better probably for it to rule in Andy Warhol's favor. But I actually do think this is one of those case like legal case types where if you're an artist it's actually not like beneficial for you one way or the other for it to go extremely in one way or the other because you like again like I was mentioning with the YouTuber thing like I can't I don't want it I don't want fair use to be too limiting because then I can't use other people's pictures but then I don't want it to be too broad because then people can just use my stuff and then I you know can't have control over my work um so and and yeah it's the similar case for for a lot of artists like obviously with pop artists like barbara kruger um they're probably more on the side that they're gonna get accused of, of copyright infringement more often than not so 
so yeah, for them, it, 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 there there might be a slight leaning in one way or the other. But I did you think in general, if like for creative people, it's important to find a balance, but it's very complicated. <laughs> it is definitely complicated. And I will be very interested not only to see what the decision is, but also what um, the like official Supreme Court opinions that are written uh, of it are to see how broadly they define this decision in with regards to copyright, because um, that will tell us how much it probably will have an effect on other people. Because, yeah, copyright super important, but also abuse of copyright to ruin parody and like transformative works also sucks. And so, yeah, it's really mm-hmm. threading the needle. Yeah, well, keep us updated. We'll see what happens. I can't, you know, it's kind of fun to follow a Supreme Court case that doesn't make me feel like I'm going to die. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Yeah, actually, (laughs) I was just thinking about that earlier. Um, Oh, by the way, I speaking of uh, legal things, actually, like court cases and people being sued, I actually did want to give a quick update that we actually said we would update, but we forgot about um, (laughs) of um, do you remember Take the Money and Run? Yes. Yeah. So um, Tyler recently uploaded or finished editing the um, uh, video version of that. So uh, he actually looked into like what actually happened. And it turns out, um, yeah, so the artist Jans uh, Hanning, who basically took the money that was supposed to be put into these artworks as a as an art piece um and he was supposed to return the money uh to the um Kunstem Museum of Art at the end of the run um so at the time we were like is he going to return it cuz if he doesn't return it the museum said they would sue him anyway he did not return it <laughs> and the museum is uh-huh. uh, currently suing him so that we we don't know the decision yet either or at least last we checked um the that law or that legal case is still going on but yeah as far as we know he still has the money so stay tuned for that one too that's exciting well here we are legal updates with pictorial (laughs) (laughs) all right thanks everybody for listening to this episode you can find our show notes at relay.fm slash pictorial you can find us on twitter or instagram at pictorial pod you can also find me on instagram at aspiring robot fm And you can find me on Twitter or Instagram at ArticulationsV. I'm also on YouTube at Articulations. And speaking of YouTube and what I mentioned earlier, we do have a YouTube channel, Pictorial Podcast, where we upload video versions of our audio podcasts. Um, Again, we are a bit behind, but we are catching up as I speak. So you can listen to some of the stuff from like six months ago, uh, but in video form. Thanks for listening, art enthusiasts. Thank you.